You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, church, what did your, what did your week look like? Did you give him what he has asked you for? Did you give him, did you release to him what he's been asking you for? Did you give him that which worries you to give up? That which you don't want to relinquish control over? To do this, all it is, is to trust in the goodness of God. It is astounding to me how oftentimes we go into this place and I recognize the things I'm doing, the prayers that I'm praying, uh, the things that I'm asking God for, the things that I'm worried about, it all boils down to me in a moment, a singular moment, no longer trusting in the goodness of God. How oftentimes do we do this throughout our day? We start worrying about what's going to happen, how how we're going to make it through this, how this is going to be transformed, how this is going to happen, how this is going to happen. And we worry, we're trying to figure out ideas, we're trying to figure out things to make this happen. And we totally neglect the goodness of God. We forget about the goodness of God that has never for a second left me. That has, it says that it pursues us, this goodness. His goodness pursues us. You, in the world, you have to go out and you have to create goodness. In the kingdom, the goodness follows you, runs after you, and consumes you if you allow it to. How oftentimes do we, we forget to trust in the goodness of God that is for you? To trust His goodness, to step out of worldly comfort, is to find revelation and to position yourself for profound truth. And that's the comfort that He made us for. That's the comfort, the God of comfort. He is the comforter. It's not worldly comforts. It's not, it's not luxurious and nice and soft things and easy things and a really easy life. But the comfort that He desires us to live in is profound truth and revelation. The authority of heaven being publicly adopted as a son, as a daughter. I am royalty in kingdom's eyes. I am royalty to my Father who created all that is around me. And He will bring revelation to let me know everything that's going on. How much more comfort would it be? To know exactly what is taking place, the roots of what is taking place in the world around us. To understand it because of the power of revelation that comes from the Spirit. Because I trust in Him rather than trusting in the comforts of this world. How much more comfortable would life be if we simply had understanding about what was happening? It would be so much more comfortable because we wouldn't be shocked or surprised by anything. Right? If you know a person, if you know a person really, really well... And they do something, and, people, and other people that don't know them, like, why would they do that? But to you, it's not anything weird, right? You're like, I, that's just what they do. Like, I'll give you a great example. If you did not know my five-year-old, his name is Kai. And he is the epitome of a second child, because he is insanity. And yesterday, I don't know how long this went on for, but it's about, I don't know, eight, 8 o'clock, and he's walking around the house, and Sarah had just sent me, she just airdropped me some photos of them playing flag football in the yard, um, and I noticed in those photos, he's, got, he's in the front yard, he's outside, he's got one sock on, one sock off, so he's barefoot one foot, sock on the other foot, and that was early in the afternoon, And I look at that photo, and then I look at him and realize he's still rocking the one sock and no sock. 
And to a normal person that doesn't know my son, you'd just be like, how do you not notice that you're running around without a sock on all day long? Scootering, stickers, all the trampoline, flag football with his brother who's probably wearing cleats. Um, but to us, it's just another day in the life of Kai. He could, and he had, when I asked him, where's your other sock? What? Where's the other sock? You're missing a sock. What? Look at your foot. Oh, I don't, I don't know. He didn't even know he didn't have a sock on. This is my son. It's not weird for Sarah and I. Anybody else? You're like, all right, he's crazy. He's going to be fun, right? But we know these things. There, there are things that are all that to say. There are things that are, if, if we knew and, and provided ourselves the opportunity to be before the Lord to gain understanding, we would have understanding of the things going on. We think that so many Christians just settle into this position of having no understanding. They just think that's where the Lord wants them to be. The Lord desires us to have understanding. He has not released you upon this earth that you would be confused about what's going on. Because then there is no effectiveness of his people. If we're always just like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do with this. That's not the design of the Lord. He desires for us to have understanding. But if we never position ourselves before him, to know him, to know his nature, to know how he comforts, he comforts through revelation, through revealing things to us. If we never position ourselves into these places, we will always look around this world and we will depend, because of the shaking that is in this world, we will depend on worldly comforts to reduce the shaking instead of the power of revelation that brings understanding. And church, the Lord is looking for a people who are willing to do the work, a people willing to work and plow the land, even if they never see the harvest. But even so, and this is such an important reminder for us to recognize that our story is not bound on this earth. We have got to get that through our heads. We have got to understand that, that we, we live for eternity. We, this is not your only life. This is not where it all ends. When it ends for you on this earth, that is just the next chapter beginning. You are not, your story does not end here. So I believe that the work that we invest now, if we don't see it on this side of heaven, we will see it on the other side of heaven. Amen? There are generations that built this house that I believe are watching us this morning that are participating, that are recognizing and are seeing the fruits of their labors beyond anything they ever imagined when they planted a church in Sundown, Texas. This is not what they pictured. How could it be? How could it be what they pictured? But now they're looking upon it. They see the fruit of their obedience. So we need to recognize that too, that even though we may not see it on this side, we will see it on the other side of heaven. And so it is, it is worth the effort now. Because you will see the fruit. That is an absolute promise. You will see the fruit of your labors. You will see the fruit of your life and your obedience to him. You will see the fruit of choosing Jesus and working for his purposes. But we must first be those who faithfully serve him. And in the choosing of him, the pursuing of him... This is where we will find authority. Authority to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Authority as sons and daughters. And the world around you will be transformed. Don't forget, church, there were people that prophesied and proclaimed things in Jesus' name. And what does he say? He says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because they claim the authority of Jesus without relationship with Jesus. 
You can't claim the authority of Jesus if you don't have relationship with Jesus. Step into relationship with him and there you will find the authority of heaven. When, he, when the authority of heaven was released to Jesus, it was a relational statement that was made as the Spirit was descending. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. A relational statement. We've got to recognize to pick up the authority of heaven, you've got to pick up a relationship with Jesus. But when you do that, when you take up that authority because you have relationship and you step into the authority of a son and a daughter, the world around you will be transformed. But all of this comes down to one thing. It comes down to a choice. And it is and always will be your choice. But it shouldn't be as difficult as we make it. Nowhere in life can you make a choice knowing that one of the options to choose from you are 100% made for. Never in life. Right now we've got a choice. Each and every day we've got a choice. Walk with him or walk within my own will. Step into the will of God or step into the will of myself in this world and what it says is for me. But what does it say? It says in Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So to choose that which is not him is to choose that which you were not made for. It's so simple, but we make it so complex. We make it so complex. And we never, we, and, and we defend it away with, oh, it's just hard. You know, I just, I like doing this. I like doing that. I want to do these things. I want to do those things. But have you ever just tried? I have this conversation all the time. When was the last time you chose Jesus for a week? Like straight, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, not just choosing to listen to Christian music as you get ready for work and then that's the only choosing to Jesus, but to choose to operate in his will for your life consistently for more than just a day, you will find yourself immersed in profound blessing and provision like you've never seen before. We just don't give him the chance. We, we convince ourselves away from choosing Jesus before we even experience the reality of choosing Jesus. We do this all the time. We've got to make a choice. We've got to step into it. You are made for him. I am made for him. Only with God is the choice certain because you are made for him. You are made for the kingdom and you are made to be light. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are made to display to all around you to reveal to them the love of God that is for them. I have been um, just really consumed this week by this word choice. I've been, and I've been thinking a lot about the ministry of Jesus and this ministry that he puts on display for who? Who does Jesus put this ministry on display for? He puts it on display for us. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And this ministry that has been given to us, you, I mean, if, 
church, if you want direction, you want breakthrough, just look at Jesus and step into the things that he did. This is still one of, the, one of my favorite quotes from Bill Johnson. You can't, when Jesus is talking about greater things will he reveal, greater things will you do. You can't do greater things until you do the same things. We've got to step into the way Jesus lived before we can access the greater things that God has in store. We can't expect to live differently than Jesus and experience the miraculous nature that came with the life that Jesus lived. I'm not talking about wandering in the desert, eating locusts and honey. I'm not talking about any of that. But I'm talking about the faithful obedience that he, that he had to the Lord, his relationship that he had with his father, the recognition that it is not his life, but it is his father's, and stepping into the father's will for his story, not his own. You want direction, you want breakthrough, just look at Jesus and step into all that he was a part of. Step into all that he was about, because that is what you are made for. I've been looking at the similarities of the times uh, while Jesus was ministering and the times that we find ourselves in. Uh, just, just looking at it recently, I don't know what sparked my, my mind to go there, but it just did. And I started thinking about that. Jesus lived in an incredibly hostile time incredibly hostile we live in an incredibly hostile time we have people right now and it breaks my heart because it's just manipulation that's all it is I don't count this against any of these people but we have people that are are calling here in America for the destruction of the Jewish race in its entirety for the from the Jordan to the sea wipe them out and, and that that's in America that we're proclaiming the destruction of Israel. And it's all, it's all because of manipulation. That's all that it is. It's just manipulation. It's bad things, bad information getting passed around. But this, we live in such a hostile environment. Such a hostile environment. So many people are hostile towards one another. And, and people of different groups and people of the same groups are hostile towards one another. There are, there's just hostility. And Jesus experienced this same kind of hostility. There, were so, there was so much hostility to the Romans and between the Jews and the uh, Pharisees and all these different people groups. Such hatred and violence and hopelessness. And then Jesus shows up. And he put so much on display. He, 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 he shows us so many things. But what has my attention now was a choice that he continually makes. And it's a choice that we, get, we have been invited to continually make each and every day. So we're going to read several different scriptures just to highlight this before we go any further. The first one is John 4. John 4 verse 11. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. 
And the woman said to him, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such a people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Instead, and the reason I wanted to read this, there's just a lot of good things in this and we've read this passage several times. But instead of the usual response, what did she expect? When Jesus called her out, said, go and fetch your husband. She said, I have no husband. He immediately just spills her life story in front of, in front of her. What was she anticipating? She was anticipating judgment and hostility. Why was she drawing from the well at the hottest part of the day? She wasn't allowed to go with the women in the morning. She was forced through her community because of her mistakes, through hostility, she was said that you cannot gather with us, you cannot be a part of us, you are isolated, you are alone. And so she is expecting the very same response. And that is not what she gets. She gets told of an invitation that is coming that will be for her just as it was for the Jews. She will be invited in. She receives what she, what she receives instead of the usual response is she gets mercy and she gets kindness. Not seeing her as her mistakes, but instead seeing her as she is meant to be and calling her out of this. Calling her up, elevating her, but through kindness and love, he made a choice to respond in a certain way. At John 5, verse 2, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. How do you say that? Colonnades. Colonnades. Thanks, Jay. (laughs) And these lay a multitude of invalids or invalids for the American, right? Right? Blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Just stop for a second and recognize that there are still communities to this day that label those that have certain issues as less than human. That still exists to this day. People, we have not changed. We just got fancier stuff, different clothes, but that's it. We still do this. We still label people. We do this here. We do this all the time. We see people, we see the way they live, and we're like, ugh, new, not interested. And we label and we put these people. Can you imagine living for 38 years and your title is invalid, rejected? That's the worst. I can't, I can't imagine this. So just, just place yourself in this man's perspective for a second. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. He didn't wait for the pool to well up 
to display the kindness and love of God. He brought the love and kindness to him. How many of us wait for those in need of the Father's love and kindness? We wait for them to come to us. We wait for the waters to get stirred up before we begin to minister. Instead of taking that which the Lord has freely released to us, taking it and freely giving to them. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He could have been another one. And it was also, you, you all know this story, but what did, he did this miracle. He told him to take up his bed and walk on what day? The Sabbath. You're not allowed to pick up your bed. You're not allowed to work. And, and the Pharisees in that moment became infuriated because he, he, a lame man was now healed on the Sabbath. And that just broke their minds. Because there was no kindness available to him because of a religion, because of regulations that we established. That is not who the Lord is anymore. That is, not, that is old covenant stuff. We don't exist in that anymore. So why do we create parameters for, in which the love and kindness of God can be administered to those around us. We do this still. Jesus did not do this. He brought the love and kindness of God to him. In Luke 23, verse 32, it says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. This is Jesus on the cross. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. These people were killing him. They had tortured him. And now they're seeking to humiliate him as he's dying upon this cross. And he seeks the forgiveness of God for them. He seeks the forgiveness of his father for them. He asked for forgiveness. Stephen did the same thing. Stephen was obedient to the Lord. He spoke as the Lord gave him utterance to speak. The people turned on him and killed him. And Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To the point of death as they are killing him. How many of us are willing to bring kindness and stand in this place of kindness even as someone is killing us to remain kind and loving towards them? This is the standard of Christ, you have to understand. If you are a believer of Christ, if He is your Lord and Savior, and you call yourself a co-heir with Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit, you've got to recognize all that is Christ. And He chose kindness and love, even as they were killing Him, even as they were destroying Him. And we see this. And it's profound. He seeks their forgiveness for them. And then we see in Matthew 14, uh, verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. 
you give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and, and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate there were about 5,000 men besides women and children. He chooses to be kind. He chooses to bless them. He is trying to actually, he is actively trying to get away from people and people follow him. And instead of annoyance, instead of frustration, instead of uh, just telling them and dismissing them to go away, what does he do? He, he shows kindness. He heals their sick. He has compassion on them. And not only that, not only does he allow the Lord to just work miracles through him to this group of 5,000 people, but then he says, you know what, I'm going to feed you too. He chooses to be kind, to bless them, and to love them. So the choice that Jesus makes that has been on my mind all week is Jesus continually shows us that choosing to care for someone doesn't have to have anything to do with knowing them or liking them. Choosing to care for someone. This, this hit me. I was sitting on my couch. And it was just profound to me. I think Monday night when it came. But just this profound reality. And I, I, I spoke this and, and no one in here is probably just like, whoa. I didn't know you could be nice to someone you didn't know. You guys all knew this. You all knew this. But choosing to care for someone, to genuinely value that person, who they are, who the Lord has made them to be, the life that they have, I am constantly just consumed. Uh, it happened once. Uh, Sarah and I were celebrating our anniversary, and we were at this massive hotel uh, in Houston, and we're like, 30 stories up, and we're looking down on I-10, one of those busiest highways in the world. It's like 10 o'clock at night, and there's still just thousands of cars because it's Houston, and it's just always thousands of cars. Um, and I'm looking at all these cars driving by, and they're going somewhere, and they're coming from somewhere. They have a mom. They have a dad. They have friends. They've lost people. They, they've had great days and they've had bad days. And maybe they've had more bad days than they've had good days. Maybe they're on their way uh, to a really, really hard thing. Or maybe they're finally breaking free. And there's just all these complex and profound details in their stories. And I'll never know a single one of those people. They were just in my life for a moment. So how can we afford to withhold caring for them when we may only have that passing moment. Jesus recognized this. There is no time to get to know everyone before you choose to care for them. Care for them because he died for them. So their life means something. Their life holds value in the kingdom of heaven. So who am I to deny it? Who am I to withhold the kindness and love of God that he has freely given to me? Who am I to make them earn this love that was freely given? Church, if we could just recognize these things, there, and it's, it's no accident, just the hostility that we see in the world right now, the division that we see within our own nation and our own people. And if we would just, if there would just be a people that just choose to care and love 
everyone, period. It doesn't matter what you do, what you don't do. It doesn't matter if I agree or disagree. The Lord loves you. And his love has been freely given to me. And so I will freely give it back. I will freely allow it to flow from me to you. Choosing to care for someone. Jesus made this choice over and over and over and over. He chose to care for someone that he didn't have to choose to care for. He made the choice. He was fully God, but he was also what? Fully man. That means the choice was his. The choice was his. He wasn't forced into any of this. I think we get lost in this this thought that Jesus had no other options. He was just going to be obedient no matter what. No, Jesus chose obedience. To, to think that Jesus was forced, that Jesus had no choice, is to remove the significance of the cross. He chose to be there. He chose to be there. As Peter was defending him, refusing to allow them to take him, what did he do? Told him to sheath his sword. And he, he went with them freely, without resistance without fight, and he was tortured, he was beaten, and he was crucified, and he asked for their forgiveness. He made a choice, and we can make the same choice. And can you imagine what our community would look like if a group of people rose up that just chose to care for these people, to choose and choose to care for this community, to love this community, and to love the people within it, and I don't have to know a single one of them, but I will choose to care for them like they're my flesh and blood. Because in reality, if all things are made for him and through him, then every person that has breath in their lungs, that has been and ever will be, is made to be a member of this body of Christ. They're made for me. They're made to be my family. They just don't know it yet. But I know that they're made for me, and I know that I'm made for them. So we have this opportunity to choose to love people, to be kind to people, to honor and to respect those around us. So my encouragement for you today, as the world continues to be hostile, uh, we think hostility needs to be met with greater and and, uh, more fierce hostility, but it's the opposite in the kingdom. If we would just make the choice as Jesus did over and over, Even as they may come to kill us, he chose to care for them, to be kind to them. This city, these beautiful people found within it, will be transformed before our eyes. This is how the Lord is administering the kingdom of heaven to be the difference in the world that we see right now. It's not with greater violence. It's not with greater hostility. It's not with anger. It's not with taking a political stance. It's with choosing to care and to love those around. And it's not about standing on a street corner and trying to prove a point and trying to make somebody else feel like they're wrong. It's just about choosing to care for them. That's what the Lord has asked us to do. He hasn't asked us to do this because He just wants Christians to be known as nice people. He has asked us to do this because this is the key that will allow Him into their stories. If we choose kindness, we choose to care for them, He is is telling us this is the way that I will get a foothold into their life. This is how I want to get their attention. Because you chose to care for them when no one else did. You chose to be for them when no one else did. Randy told me this uh, just as, a, well, as I was learning youth ministry and just trying to figure out what, what really is the purpose here. And, 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 and also an, uh, just understanding what my level of involvement is to be. Because Sundown is a very different community and you can't I grew up in a big city. I can't model the youth ministry that I saw here. It just 
will never work. Had to be unique. Had to see what these kids really needed because I didn't know. I didn't know what they were experiencing. I didn't know the history of sundown. And he said, he said this, and it's words that I've lived by. Um, be the face that they always see. When they look up in the stands, they may not see their parents, but at least they'll see you. When they're coming out of a hard day, will they see you? And all of that to say, just being the face that they always see, all of that to say is he was trying to emphasize, and this is what I'm trying to emphasize to you, that when they turn around, they see you in their corner. They don't have to know you, but they see you in their corner. They see that you are for them and not against them and that you will not leave them. You will not abandon them. You will be for them. You will encourage them and you will, you will help them into all that they're made for. That's what this community needs. It needs to turn around and see people that are for them. Every person needs that. Every person needs to turn around and know that there's a group of people that are standing behind them, ready to catch them if they fall back and ready to help them up and push them forward. It's who we're to be for this city. So choose to care for them. It is your choice. It is our choice, church, to choose to love this community that we've been placed in. No one is here by accident. Every one of you is anointed to be in sundown Texas for such a time as this. And the Lord has said, choose to care for them. Don't put stipulations, don't put regulations around when you choose to care for somebody. Choose to care for somebody because Jesus chose to care for you before he knew you, before you drew your first breath. He chose to care for you to the point of the cross of his own death and defeating the grave. He chose to care for you in a way that you could not care for yourself. Let's do the same for those around us. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.